relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. Hello, you're listening to Those Other Girls. I'm Mallory. And I'm Bailey. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. Right now, we are going to be going through the last two myths of the book, You're Not Enough and That's Okay by Allie Beth Stuckey. Let's just get right on into it. So myth four is the next myth we're going to go over. And it is called, You're Entitled to Your Dreams. That is a myth. I was super excited for this one, but Bailey, you go ahead and what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you said that you were excited for it. I thought that this would be, to me, the least exciting myth because I felt like I knew this truth already. But as I read it, her talking about jobs and job security, I mean, I absolutely loved this. was almost one of my favorite chapters of the whole book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what part did you, like, what, where was it that you were like, oh, my God, this is so good? Well, so many, but at the beginning, you know, her talking about, she said, I was sure that things would fall into place quickly after graduation. And I think that everybody in their 20s, especially in college, you are told, you know, I don't know, I think it's just this, this disconnect where your parents have paid your bills, they buy you clothes, they buy you food. And you don't really realize how much work it takes to to pay bills and to, you know, to have a life and how much money you need to make. And I think everybody just assumes after college, they're going to get a job that pays a hundred grand a year and drive a sports car and own a house. And it's like, oh yeah, we just, you know, no big deal. We just get married and buy a house and have 2.5 kids and live the American dream. Right. And it's like, no, it takes a lot of work. Most people in their 20s don't just get that handed to them. You, you're not just naturally graced with a job that pays well, that's easy, that you're naturally gifted at and good at. And I think that a lot of people in the millennial and Gen Z generation have suffered or are going to suffer from depression because they feel like they failed. And it's yeah. really just that they had bad expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, I really did think like once I graduated, my life would fall into place. Little did I know um, that's just not the case. Um, and I think that when you, I feel like when we talk about these things, people talk about just work hard, just work yeah. hard and God's going to bless that. Oh, don't forget to pray, work hard and pray and God's going to bless it. And like, that's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. Um What I really like is she read Colossians 3.23, which says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. We don't have to have the perfect job to glorify God with our hard work. The work that honors him only has to meet three qualifications. It's done well, it meets a real need, and it contributes to the good of those around you. And I think that is something that we should be focusing on. Not saying you shouldn't have dreams. Like, you know, if you dream to one day own your own landscaping business. That doesn't mean you have to go and be a doctor without borders nurse, you know? It just means that whatever you're in, like wherever you are right now, 
X, Y, and Z has happened in your circumstances, make sure that you were doing it wholeheartedly for the Lord. Make sure it's done well, it meets a real need, and it contributes to the good. And that is something I know I, that was very convicting for me. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was like, ooh, this is so good. Because right before she reads that, she says, I learned that I don't have to love my job for my work to be good and important. And I think that so many people, including myself, I've done things that I would say that I hated at the time. You know, I I didn't like my job my whole life. There have been jobs I've had that I absolutely wish I didn't have to do every day. I didn't want to get up and go to work and to to feel convicted and say, you know, you can still glorify God. You can still make those around you feel better do things for them. You can do your job well. You can be a successful employee. You can meet people's needs and you may not feel satisfied in it, but you don't need to feel satisfied in it for it to be good, well done work. And, you know, one thing that it made me think about, I used to work at a call center and it was not my dream job. Being on the phone all day with people, they were in great need and it was not an easy job, you know, to be on the phone for eight to 10 hours a day, call after call after call. We were so busy and I didn't love it. And I just remember talking to Ryan and thinking, how in the world can I glorify God at a job that I dislike this much? How can I do something that I dislike this much? Like, can't I quit my job or do something else? And at the time that just wasn't an option for us. And so One thing I started doing was writing down just the first names of the people that I was talking to on the phone, and I would try and listen to what they needed from me uh, at my job and write down just a sentence about the hardship they were going through or why they were calling me, what they were needing. And at the end of the day, I started to pray for those people, and I would pray for... Yeah, I would pray for their hardships, pray for what they called in about, pray for anything that they mentioned. You know, part of getting your work done well and meeting a real need is listening to people and asking questions to get more information. And that helped me so much to make these people real people with real needs instead of just a job that I had to go do. And it just felt so much better to do that. And I'm not saying I I didn't keep it up for as long as I should have. I still didn't love the job after that. But it did make it feel better to know that I had really helped somebody and and contributed to the good of those around me. Like she she said there, that was such a good sentence. I think that that's really true no matter what you're doing. She goes on to say whether you're a CPA, a botanist, a janitor, a secretary, a graphic designer, stay-at-home mom, caretaker, whatever you are, you can and should glorify God in what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that that also comes from the selfless. Like mm-hmm. to be able to do that, to be able to be in a job that is not your ideal job or a job that you like high key hate. You have Mm -hmm. to be selfless to be able to work heartily as for the Lord, to get it done well, to meet people's needs and to contribute to the good of those good of others. That's part of being selfless. Right. And she talks then about socialism and the idea of when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, work wasn't a, curse work was there for adam before the fall of man like we were supposed to work it and keep it before sin entered the world is what she says and then after this after the fall after the sin 
he cursed the ground so that it would be more difficult. There'd be thorns and thistles and it would be harder to work the ground. But work is a natural God-given thing. We are supposed to work. And obviously there are exceptions for, you know, people with disabilities, people who are unable to work. There's reasons for that. But no matter where you are in life, you should be working on some level. You should be working Mm -hmm. as a stay-at-home mom is a job. A caretaker is a job. Even if it's volunteer work, it's a job. Mm -hmm. You know, making money is not what makes a job. It's working. Doing work is so important. Yes, it really is. And I think that we get caught up in, I have to be doing exactly what I want. This is what I want, and I'm not doing what I want, so I'm just going to sit at home and wait till I get what I want. And this little section, she talks about, um, she says, when we follow him, talking about God, he promised us not to give everything we want, but something far better himself. Hmm. And I think that is something that, especially American Christians, we just forget God isn't a genie. He's not Mm going to give us every single thing we want. He's going to give us himself. And that should, once again, that should be it. He's going to give him, he's going to give himself to us, period. That's enough. Doesn't matter. So he promises that no matter our job, no matter our salary, no matter our marital status, no matter our fertility or lack thereof, he will be with us. He will be our substance, our strength, our joy, our source of satisfaction, our ever-present help relentless redeemer compassionate friend and faithful father and that's enough that's it and you know i think that's the next big thing is not only do we want to do what we want to do but we also want to feel completely satisfied by our job Mm -hmm. you know we want to think that if i work 40 hours a week 80 hours a week 120 hours a week i don't know how much people work how much overtime you do it doesn't matter what you do at your job how good you do it I don't mean it doesn't matter. I just mean it doesn't matter in that at the end of the day, you're still going to come home and there's still going to be a longing for something more because Mm -hmm. your family can't fulfill that hole. Your job can't fulfill that hole. Only God can fulfill that hole in your life that you need to fill. And so I think people, again, going back to the idea of expectation versus reality, they expect that once they make this amount of money or they get this job promotion or this title, that they're going to feel more satisfied, more accomplished. And sure, you 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 know, you might feel more accomplished for a season, but it's not going to completely eliminate your need for something more because you're still looking for God. If you don't have God in your life or you're not focused on God, no matter what you do in your job, if you're not trying to glorify him, you're not going to feel satisfied. Yes. And I think that um, goes back to selflessness. Once again, we don't think about not doing things. We we don't think about not doing things for ourselves. We're always constantly trying to do things to make sure we're good. And God has to be enough. And, you know, to me, that was the big thing. I know it was a shorter chapter. It was a smaller chapter, which is probably why we didn't have as much from it. But I really did. I guess I felt like that for me was the most convicting part at this point where I am in my life. And I also think that socialism creeping in is is a big part. And so her touching on that, I felt was really good. And so I think that's why I really just liked this chapter, even though it was short and sweet. Uh, I kind of like short and sweet. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and I think it is definitely relatable, like you said, for the season that you're in and the season like a lot of people are in. 
um, especially because of, you know, everything going on, pick anything. Sure. <laughs> People's jobs are, you know, our jobs, our work is everybody, not everybody's blessed to have something, to have a job, to have something to do. And not everybody's blessed to have their dream job. I know people who have continued to work and have gotten money, have gotten hazard pay and have been like super happy and fulfilled this entire time. But not everybody's like that. Sure. Absolutely. And it's tough, you know, it's, it's a really tough season for a lot of people. And so I think, you know, to learn that maybe with COVID, God's given you a chance to work on your house, work on improvements, work on things for your family, work on yourself, work on reading the Bible, work on studying. You can still work even if you're unemployed. Yeah. Um, You know, and so I think that, I think it's a misconception, you know, people, well, I can't work. I don't have a job. Well, you can, you just work in different ways, different areas. Maybe it's serving other people. Maybe it's helping other people with other projects. You know, you can always find work. It's there. It just might not be necessarily what you always dreamed of doing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think that that's so huge talking about helping, serving other people, selflessness. And I think she wrapped up beautifully with the final myth, which is you can't love others until you love yourself. That is something that when I was having a conversation, like I've shared different things about how self-love is not, how it's toxic and everything. And a lot of, I'm thinking of one girl specifically. I don't think <laughs> she listens to this podcast. Um, if she does, hey. Um, she. A lot of times we disagree on almost everything, but we discuss it back and forth a lot of times. And um, she said, how is self-love toxic? We can't love others until we love ourselves. And I didn't really have a retort. So I was really excited to hear that, to read this. So the thing that really, the first thing that stuck out to me is this line from Tim Keller's book, Mm -hmm. The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And it says, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of yourself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. So basically, it is what I was saying earlier, and like the theme, like you said, she tied everything together really well, is the theme of thinking of yourself less, of being selfless. And we automatically already love ourselves. Even self-loathing, which I think about the different things that I do, um, sometimes I know that I'm too prideful, but I know that's because I dislike X, Y, and Z, so I'm trying to push this other thing up. So that's part of the self-love that's part of selfishness that's part of all of that's the same so we already love ourselves that's already implied we just have to be selfless that is what we struggle with as humans right and I think you know we forget and she touches on this and I haven't found it I'm still on that page where you were reading Tim Keller which is great she's got so much great content in this chapter um, but starting just from a, the Bible minded part of me says Matthew twenty two thirty six through 38, where they asked him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And she talks about how it's implied that you love yourself. Like, even Mm -hmm. if you pick on yourself, even if you don't think that you're talented, even if you're hating on yourself all the time, you still love yourself. You know, if you're put in a life and death situation, you're still going to fight to survive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even 
if you commit suicide, it's a, it can be a selfish act. You know, you're not, you're thinking too much of what did I do wrong? What does other people do better than me? You know, it's very self-focused to hate yourself. It's a self-release. Correct. It's all self. And, you know, like you said, it's the same, same coin, different side of saying, I'm amazing. I'm awesome. And being too prideful either way is too self-centered. And, you know, I think, Oh, it just, it's so, it's so good to me, the way she ties everything in. It just feels like self-forgetfulness. And again, you are supposed to think of others and serve others and the government shouldn't have to force you to do that. So when she touched on social socialism, I thought that was really good because a lot of people do use that. Well, if you think you should focus on other people and you should focus on the least of these, then shouldn't we have a socialistic government? And it's a personal, individual mandate. We all need to think of ourselves less and focus on other people more. And that doesn't mean force people to do that. That's just what we should aim to do and strive to do. Yes, I agree 100%. Yeah, I mean, the freedom of self-forgetfulness, when she said that, I was just like, wow, you know, that sounds so comforting and you know we've all had moments in our life where we're able to do that where we're able to be selfless there are times you know where we're that perfect person and again there's the pride right that comes in and Mm -hmm. you do something good you are selfless you don't think about yourself at all and then after the fact you feel prideful about it and so I think the more frequently we can do it the more we focus on not getting prideful about things just focus on other people, focus on listening, focus on paying attention, learning and helping, I think is is huge. Yes. And to add to that, this thing that she says, um, the idea that you can't love other people until you love yourself reeks of entitlement and elitism. While we're busy trying to come to terms with cellulite on our thighs, there are people who are desperately hurting, lonely and need our love and care. And that really was like, ding, ding, ding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Red flag now. What are you doing in your life? Yeah. Yeah, this whole chapter was great, but that is such such a convicting point for myself as well. I'm just reading some, some more of this. This book is so good. It really is. Like, highly recommend it. And honestly, like, if I... I just, I highly recommend it, y'all. Um, yeah, we'll get into that at the end, too. We'll conclude with our yeah. recommendations, our takeaways. <laughs> so the next thing that she gets into is talking about you don't have to wait. And I liked this chapter a lot. Um, it wasn't my favorite chapter, but I thought it had some really good insight. And I know, you know, again, we're all at different stages of our lives. And so for me, I am already married. And I got married fairly fast. You know, my husband and I met and after nine months, we were engaged and 14 months after we started dating, we were married. And so it wasn't the quickest of people that I know, but it also (laughs) wasn't a super long, you know, we didn't have a five or 10 year engagement. We hadn't been together forever. You know, it was very quick. And I think that a lot of people do use this. Oh, well, I'm, you know, adulting is scary and I don't, I'm not ready for commitment and you know, they push things off for unbiblical reasons. And I, you know, that's a huge problem in our culture today. So I really liked that chapter. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I am in a different season, obviously. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not married. um, And, you know, marriage is something I desire, but I will admit, I'm not 100% sure that's what God has for me. And there was a part where she talked about singleness that I thought was really good. Um, And it's something that I've been trying to think about. And 
focus on. And I think I do. I'm doing a lot better with this than I was before. And she said, Christians who remain single aren't missing out. They are offered the same satisfaction in Christ as those who are married. And bonus, they have time and the capacity to do things married married folks can't. Mm-hmm. And as yeah, I'll just leave that. You can you guys can read the next part of that. But I just I really <laughs> I really like that. And like I will say to the marriage thing, I definitely like if I were to find someone, I definitely am not trying to you know date for 16 years and then be engaged for five you know I think that's personally I just think that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. um so I definitely would ideally like to go ahead but you know if I don't ever find that person Jesus is still Lord he still loves me it doesn't change any of that and I think it's really cool what she was talking about how we have the time and capacity to do things married people can't and Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about like some things that are going on in my life that I can I don't know if I can really talk about like specifically right now, but if you follow on social media, you'll see soon. Um, I'm some things that are going on in my life. Like if I wasn't single, this definitely would not be possible. And um, I think that's just something that we don't talk about. And I think that we do this whole self-love thing. Like I'm single and I'm sufficient. I don't know if you guys have seen new girl. Um, Jess started this club called I'm single and I'm sufficient. And then someone's like, Jess, that's ISIS. And you know, that was just a little funny thing there. Um, but anyway, um, we have this whole like, Oh, I don't need no man. I'm so, and like, I don't think that's necessarily the best. Well, first of all, that's just not true. Everybody, no, you cannot convince me that anybody ever wants to be completely single forever. I will never believe that. Even people who are single forever, there's, will always be a part of them that like would like because we were made to be relational we were made to be with someone else um that's the first thing and the second thing is like I think it's okay to like admit we're just not necessarily happy but not that we're not happy I think it's okay to admit that um this isn't your first choice that's probably it it's okay to admit that it isn't your first choice and also too though we there's other aspects of this that are good that are like we can serve the lord i think paul says it somewhere too that like single people can actually get like closer to god and things like that Mm -hmm. um because they have more time to dedicate to that and that those are good things but because society doesn't seem like that that's another aspect of like that's something good period like there's no buts to it that's something good period. Right. And I, you know, I agree with that. And like you said, you know, you are able to do a lot more events and traveling and things Mm -hmm. that I'm not able to do being married. And, you know, I think God designed obviously one man and one woman to get married in a covenant bond and raise children in a nuclear family setting. And I think that that is very important for kids to mm-hmm. to be raised in a marriage mm-hmm. but that's not to say that you know single people can't find fulfillment they find like you said with Paul you know he does say that you know singleness is a gift and you can get closer to God you can learn more to God you can you can you're in a whole different world than you know someone who is married and does that mean that there are bad things sure but are there bad things in marriage sure you know we all have mm-hmm. our our struggles our sins our um parts that aren't perfect all the time. And she talks about that, but you know, to me, I I think that either way, you know, life is, is what God chooses for you, right? Like life is Mm -hmm. God's will. 
And if he calls you towards marriage and kids, then I think you should do that without hesitating, without waiting. Mm -hmm. If you find a person who meets all your non-negotiables, who's a Christian, who loves God, who loves you, that you enjoy being around, you're not going to enjoy being around them all the time. They're not always going to be perfect. They're not always going to make you happy. I know that. She talks about that too. Right. She does. And I, you know, I know that don't let me fool you for a minute. There are times my husband's not happy with me. I'm not happy with him, but for the most part, we love being in our marriage. And I think for kids, especially, it's huge to watch their parents um, model what Jesus's relationship with the church looks like. You know, I think that your marriage is a role model to your children. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's so huge in, in training your kids Um, and you know, she goes into motherhood quite a bit, which neither of you, neither you or I, neither of us is in that season yet. And I still thought it was interesting. I, you know, I can't wait to be a mom. And so it had a lot of advice that I'm looking forward to. And so that was very interesting to, to read. It just, it wasn't something that I necessarily relate to or have more advice on since I'm not in that phase of life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same. Um, But I think that, you know, in the future, if we do, you know, become mothers, I think it'll be good to uh, look back and hold on to this book and really glean from that. Because she, you know, has a lot of good knowledge and everything she says, which I love, is backed by the Bible. Right. No, I agree. And, you know, she talks a lot about toxic mommy culture, which I've seen and I feel like it's, it's awful. I mean, people call their mm-hmm. kids brats and burdens. And she talks about that. And it's like, oh, I was just joking. It was just a joke. But that can really scar your kid and mess up your mm-hmm. kid. And you want to talk about self-esteem issues. You know, that's huge for a kid to hear from their parent that they're a brat or they're annoying or they wish they'd never had them. Those are some horrible things to say to your children. And so I think, you know, her her talking about loving your gift from God. Your child is a gift from God. God blessed you with that child. It's something that you chose, you know, regardless of whether you thought you were choosing it or not, you chose (laughs) that kid and God chose you to be that kid's mom and or dad. And so you do have a responsibility to steward that that child and do the best that you can. And you're not going to be perfect. But I do think that being a parent, having a kid is the most Uh, sacrificial love that we just do naturally you know you naturally sacrifice your priorities for your kids you and I think that that really helps you not be as self-centered self-focused it takes the attention off of you and places everything onto your kid yeah and you and my mom used to always say this I don't really know why um but to be a, a mom a parent you have to be selfless it is the most selfless job you can have. Um, well, I guess I now that I'm looking back, I think I know why. Like, I just I remember when we go to malls and do certain things. She almost never bought anything for herself, and I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm 25 and I don't have anyone that's depending on me, so I cannot relate to that. That is what um, I'm at the mall. Why would I not buy myself something? But she said she used to always say like that's part of being a mom. I have a certain amount of money that I want to spend today and you want this. So I'd rather get you this thing. It's something that I want myself. Yep. And you know, it's funny. I went to a sermon this morning at church and we talked about kids and raising kids and training kids. 
and we read Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 through 7, but the parts that stuck out to me, you know, they talk about the greatest commandment there, and then it says, repeat them again and again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. So in the morning, you should be talking about God. In the evening before bed, you should be talking about God. All the time, you should be talking about God. And he talked about the statistics of kids who got the Bible read to them at least once a week are way more likely to attend church in their adulthood. And, you know, these days people are opting out of going into church. They're, you know, focusing on their jobs and social media and online, but they still feel lonely and disconnected. And I think that the second that you take God out of the center, you just, you lose everything. You know, you have nothing without God. Yes. Yes. And, you know, to tie it all in, (laughs) that goes back to the whole me, what did she say? The meology, the me religion Mm -hmm. type thing. Once we put ourselves in the center, it blows up. Yeah. Our whole our whole way of thinking, our whole way of life, it, it's it becomes toxic. And I think at the beginning of the book, she said something like, um, talking about how she uh went through a phase in college, a couple of months where she was doing different things that she knew she shouldn't have been doing, but she was just trying to be cool and fulfill this hole she had in herself. That's I mean, that's the truth. Like I know I've gone through phases in college where I have done that. And I know people probably thought I was so happy. Honestly, that was, the, I was never skinny, but that was like the smallest I had ever been that semester. I looked fantastic, had a boyfriend, well, had a boyfriend-ish person. Um, and I probably came off super happy, but oh my goodness, like spiritually dead inside. Yeah. And I had, I had the same thing, you know, when I was in LA, I really dropped away from all religion altogether. I didn't go to church. I didn't read a Bible. I didn't, you know, I guess I would have put myself in the agnostic camp of like, yeah, I'm sure that there is a God. And I feel like Jesus was a person, but like, I don't know how historically accurate the Bible is. I don't know if I believe in all of that. And like you said, I was at my skinniest. I was, um, you know, winning pageants. I was successful in my job. I had gotten a promotion. I, you know, in the world's eyes, I had broken up with a boyfriend and was on my feminist rampage of I don't need no man and all is good and everything's great. And I, you know, I can be everything for myself. And I can't tell you how many nights I spent on the floor crying myself to sleep with takeout food and watching Netflix by myself. And it wasn't because I was single. It wasn't because I didn't have a good job. It wasn't because I wasn't making enough money. It was because I thought that I was enough that I could fulfill and satisfy just by being me. And the truth is that I couldn't. And my life is so much better. Have I gained a couple pounds? Sure. Am I exactly where I want to be? No. But my life is so much better with Jesus at the center than it ever was when I was trying to be my own God. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Honestly, this was a really, really great book. I highly recommend it. And honestly, I would recommend reading it with a friend and reading it with someone who you can have an open and honest discussion about how these ideas make you feel and about what you're going through and how you feel um, about everything going on as well. I highly, highly recommend it. I personally, I mean, I agree with everything Mallory said. I personally don't know anybody who doesn't struggle with either too much pride or too little pride and self-esteem issues. Mm -hmm. 
I know people who have turned to self-help books who want to hear that they're amazing and they're great and they're wonderful. And while it's nice to hear on the surface, it doesn't ultimately satisfy. And so this book, I think, is exactly what you're looking for, the message that I think everybody needs to hear. I thought this book was absolutely amazing. Yes. And also, too, um, you can listen to our podcast. We highly recommend the podcast as well. Um, Relatable. And it's wherever you can get podcasts. Um, Yeah, I listen to Ali Stuckey almost every time I'm getting up and doing my makeup in the morning. So she's got some great insight, a wonderful worldview, and a fun personality. And she loves Chick-fil-A. So, I mean, can you go wrong? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yes, thank you guys so much. Um, if you had the book and read it, let us know what you thought. If you had the book and loved it, or if you hated it, or if you have a few critiques, let us know as well. We're definitely welcome to feedback. Absolutely, and we will speak with you all next week. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram, at thoseothergirlspodcast, and on Twitter, at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.